Purchase new wiper blades from O'Reilly Auto Parts today and we'll install them for free. See better and drive safer with O'Reilly Auto Parts. Oh, 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 O'Reilly Auto Parts. That is your signal that it is time to start the show wherever you are, whenever you are, and however you happen to be listening. We're so excited you've chosen to tune in to DLC, your downloadable commentary for the week. And if you are one of our geeks in sneaks, using this podcast to fuel you for a workout or a run, we're going to be in your ear holes for 90 plus minutes with gaming goodness because DLC is on the air Delivered the way it's meant to be, and that is completely free thanks to your, our sponsors this week, Mac Weldon, Audible, and Fireside. They made that possible bringing the show to you, DLC, of course, the show, all about games in their many forms. Games played on desktops, laptops, and consoles, and also games that involve dice, luck, and cardboard. I am your host, Jeff Kanata, that's spelled with two N's and one T, and I'm joined, as always, by my friend slash co-host, Slash Nemesis. The guy whose new comedy album, We're All Gonna Die, just missed the cutoff for Grammy voting. Mr. Christian Spicer. Hello, Christian. Hello. Actually, I was like Frank Ocean. I did not submit it. Um, you know, I'm standing what? I'm standing with Frank on this on Blonde. No, it'd be for next year's. Uh, yeah, it's out. Two, two things up top. The one that's not album related. For Geeks and Sneaks, the past three weeks, I've been running while listening to... There's like a playlist on Apple Music. It's like the weekend guest playlist. Mm. Uh, Humble brag. I have been... I don't know why, because it's like chill. It's the weekend. I has been three weeks of just... I've been flying. Flying. Nice, dude. Um, Yeah. Anyway. I hope some people are flying right now listening to us. Yeah. My beautiful tones. Go. Do it. You got this. You got it. You got it. Ignore the pain. No. I mean, think about the pain. (laughs) <laughs> ouch ah, uh. and then the second is yeah my album is out it's we're all gonna die it's on itunes amazon mp3 and google music and if you have picked it up thank you to everyone that's tweeted at me and talked to me about it i appreciate it and if you haven't what the heck dude yeah, do that heck, what the heck i bought it yeah thank you man i appreciate that yeah it was awesome i i laughed and uh and was shocked and then laughed again yeah it's uh, not it's, clean it's not clean yeah. It's real funny though, real good stuff. Well, thank you, man. I appreciate it. it yeah, go check think. it out. Um, yeah. Oh, also, I should say I got a great. Sorry, uh, uh, Tara. Uh, just quickly, I got an awesome email from one of our listeners. So I, I get into some religious stuff in it, like my struggles. And uh, thank you for that email, sir. I will be replying shortly. I really, really appreciate it. But you I know, love it's that just to just to send somebody an email back rather than talk to the entire audience about one no 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 but I, what i wanted to say is i love how comedy can create a conversation and this has uh, been a great one that's all cool hey it's well, monday this is my dang show too jeff okay well uh, speaking of conversations uh we got lots to talk about we got tons of gaming news some fun fun games to talk about uh it's a big pack full show and we have an awesome guest to do it with you know the dlc is always your downloadable canada your downloadable christian but this week we got a brand new dlc it stands for Delighting in Long's company. 
because we have executive producer at Polygon.com and a Rev3 Games alum, Tara Long is with us today, one of my friends. Tara, how's it going? Hi, I'm good. How are you guys? Doing great. Thanks for being here. We of appreciate course. it. And thank you for that fantastic introduction. Well, it's the least we can do. Uh, yeah. I've been wanting to have you on the show for a long time and uh, super glad it worked out. Um, we got lots to talk about today, so let's get right to it with Story of the Week. Story of the Week, it's the Story of the Week. Story of the Week, it's the Story of the Week. Story of the Week is the part of the show where we make our case for the most important stories that happened in the world of games this week. And you can always submit stories for our consideration by using our hashtag on Twitter, that's DLCSOTW, or by visiting our subreddit, which is 5x5DLC.reddit.com. Lots of cool folks there submitting stories, talking about the week's news, talking about our episode. Cool community, you should join up. Uh, you can also submit emails to us. We love hearing your feedback about the show at dlcfeedback at gmail.com. Lots of emails today uh, we want to bring into the conversation. But Tara, you are our guest, so you get first pick of stories. What would you consider to be your story of the week? Oh, snap. Oh, I didn't realize I was going to be put on the spot like this. Oh, can't always on the spot. Anymore. Always it's on the spot. snap. Um, so I, th- I think the thing about E3 being open to the public now is really interesting. That's one of them. Uh, do you want to talk about that or should I list all of them now? That, that sounds like a good place to start. Uh, let's start with the E3 being open to the public. Evidently, uh, mere moments ago, like maybe an hour ago now, this morning, uh, the tickets for E3 went on sale to the public. Uh, I haven't heard if they sold quickly or not. Hold I, on, I let me check. Sure. I bought them all. No, you did. Uh, well, you know, E3, E3 famously is a uh, trade-only show, right? You have to be a professional to go to E3, which uh, is a source of consternation for a lot of fans that would like to be there and see, get hands-on with all the upcoming games. Um, and there's been a lot of, you know, crackdown of people getting in and all that kind of crazy stuff. But now it sounds like E3 is opening its doors. They're selling 15,000 tickets to customers. Uh, prices are $149 for the first 1,000. Those are probably gone already. But uh, the rest are 250 bones, or 249 if Christian has his way. Um, so not cheap, but you get to hang out on the show floor and uh, you know get hands-on and, and kind of wander around the booths. Tara, you are somebody that has gone to many an E3. Um, what's your feeling I, on this? So, okay. Here's my thoughts, and I know I'm going to get raked over the coals for this, but E3 is not fun. Like, <laughs> no, you're not going to get any disagreement here. I, and I, Okay. Okay. Thank you. Because if, if you've ever covered it from like a, a press perspective, like it's the most miserable experience ever. Like you get to see a lot of cool games, and that's obviously the best part of it. But like – from an actual work standpoint, it's just awful. It's it's super crowded already. I don't know how they're going to be able to fit like 15,000 more people in it. That's how many sales yeah. are going out to the public. That seems insane to me. Um, it's just like super, super long hours. Uh, nothing really you're getting shown on the show floor. It's all like in private appointment rooms and stuff. 
Um, it's I don't know, man. As somebody, I'm not on camera anymore, but I used to be, and we would do like a lot of stand ups and stuff, like in the hallways. And I just I don't know how that's going to work for people now. I, I guess more of the show is moving off site anyway, right? You guys have probably noticed that. Like there are yeah. less appointments on the show floor now, and more appointments like in hotel rooms across the street. Um, yeah. Yeah, yeah, and, and big uh, companies have straight up pulled out of the show floor. Um, EA last year had their thing at at uh, at EA Live or excuse me, LA Live. Yeah, um, and I and that was you know open to the public, right? You could get tickets to that uh, through EA, so they already were sort of moving in that direction. You know, I think you're right that a lot of people hear this and are like, "What? Why do you guys want to keep the gate closed? We're fans of video games. We want to be there. We want to have. We want to check this stuff out. We don't want to just listen." For. <laughs> That's a good point. Um, but I think, you know, E3 started as a way for buyers, really, uh, retail buyers, to find out what they needed to buy in the upcoming year. They were going there to find out what was coming out, what needed to be on store shelves, right? The paradigm has completely shifted away from that. That's not really necessary anymore and has become – it kind of shifted into a press event with big press conferences and showing the games to, uh, you know, news people and 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 then internet people. And now that isn't even really necessary because the internet uh, allows for things like Nintendo Directs and these, you know, companies can talk directly to their customers. They don't need to have an intermediary of the press to deliver their message. So E3, I think, has kind of found itself in a place of, uh, you know, dwindling relevance, I think, uh, for really what its main job has been historically. And so I think this is a way for them to try to reinvent themselves and maintain the sort of grandiosity of the event, right? Um, mm -hmm. But I agree with you. I mean, it's hard, I think, for people to hear us and say – why are you complaining that we are allowed in? But 15,000 additional bodies when a lot of us are there really to work and the work we do at that event is not easy with the amount of bodies that are already there, just getting from place to place. And as you said, you know, doing standups and doing coverage. So I think the media response to this news is, is pretty negative, but Christian, is there any, positive side from you know are having gamers there is there is there a way that that's a good thing yeah i mean i think <clears throat> excuse me i mean i talked about after the playstation experience how i thought that was an awesome thing and this year sony did a really great job with that and i i expect microsoft to follow suit and tara we as god is like six or seven years ago i think uh too long ago um i we i know we are not uh we don't work together often, but it was like six or seven years ago I met you at E3. I was like a special guest of Capcom. I have no clue why, to be perfectly honest. Uh, <laughs> but that is where we first met. And even back then, you were you were busy. Uh, and I was like, I'm just here for Capcom. This is great. <laughs> oh, God. I, I don't even remember meeting you. That's how busy I was. Like, I've purged that entire year from my memory. <laughs> yeah, of course, because you were doing real work. And I was just like, hey, you want to play me in Street Fighter? <laughs> or whatever oh. it was. Uh, I So I think... Two things. One, I think you're right, Jeff, that this will be uh, is kind of them, quote unquote, grasping for relevancy. Two, I think it's a good thing for fans if they're excited about it 
But I think the, the bigger problem is that this will create two quote unquote E3s where even more and more of it will be behind closed doors, uh, in, in halls, uh, in, in hotel rooms. And the bigger thing that I, I need to give credit where credit is due, uh, Stuart and, uh, GPD talked about this on CADCAST and that, that was a great point was that what the biggest problem for this I see is setting up consumer expectations because now not only do you have journalists, uh, influencers, whomever sitting there uh, on the show floor trying to cover this for work. But you have people that paid $150 to $250 to be there. And you, you to do it right, you need to cater to them, right? The customer is always right. Like, what does that customer think? Let's assume that this E3 is like last year's, and they run over to 2K's booth and like, yeah, 2K's booth. Where do I get in? Oh, I don't. It's just a box with pictures on the side and you got to have an appointment. Well, this sucks. Like, what is that experience? Because the messaging of what E3 could be like to someone without media appointments isn't represented. It's like we talked about it last year. Like, oh, I played this game. I played this game. I played this game. Oh, my God. Did you see this game in VR? It was incredible. Oh, my God. Call of Duty showed so well. It blew my mind. We played Zelda for 30 minutes. Uh, it's going to be incredible, you guys. But to Joe Public, like all of those experiences, we were behind closed doors. So how does this – and do these companies, these publishers, developers, when were they brought in on the loop that this is open to the public? Are we just going to have – is every – is the show floor just going to be shoot a basketball, win a t-shirt, get the, hef, get the, get the F out of here? Or is, are they going to have demo stations for people playing games? Or is it just this photo op to have a long line in front of, uh, you know, God of War? Look at all our fans. Uh, and then oh, we're just so running sad. around doing work. <laughs> yeah. So I, I think the biggest problem is going to be meeting fan expectations because PAX has been great. Uh, you know, they've had a few hiccups here or there, but they m- welcome fans. E3, as it was last year, I would not be happy having spent $250 to do that. See, but I also feel like that's because you are part of the industry and you, people like you and I and, and Jeff have naturally higher expectations of what to see. I think like when you go to a trade show like PAX and you see people waiting four hours in line to play Borderlands for 10 minutes, and then they get out of line and go immediately to get back into line to play it again. Like, I feel like those are people who go to those kinds of events for maybe a small handful of games that they really care about. I don't think they're all necessarily looking at the bigger picture the way that we do when we're judging these kinds of trade shows. I I could be wrong, but, I mean, you have a fair point. I think the best compromise they could have made in this situation is to have at least a day or two dedicated to press only and then open it up to the public after that. Right. That's what I think. Isn't that what Gamescom does? Um, think, uh, what's the Japanese Tokyo one? Game Show? Yeah. yeah. A Tokyo Game Show. It, I think that's the, I think you make a great point. That's a, that's the biggest surprise is that there weren't a couple of or at least one day that wasn't open to public. I think I don't understand the decision not to do that. It, it seems bizarre, yeah. especially since E3 is now becoming like it's such that the most important day of three, E3 isn't actually even during E3. It's the press conference <laughs> days beforehand. Right. And and on the last day of E3, like it's a ghost town. There's nobody there. That would have been the perfect time to have fans come in and play all of these games. I think you make a great point. Yeah. And, but you I know, comparing also, sorry, it, guy, Jeff. just saying, comparing it to PAX, you know, PAX, you get, what your tickets are, what, for three day passes, like 110, 120 bucks. 
250 for E3 when the experience, I don't think he's going to even remotely compare to PAX. I mean, I know E3 has the reputation of being the place where all the, the big stuff is revealed, but I, I think you'll have more stuff to be able to actually do at a PAX and you'll be able to do that for less money. Um, it just it feels like a, a not even a really great value proposition. Yeah, for sure. Because also E3 falls like right at the beginning of summer when there's nothing coming out. Like PAX yeah. is right in that sweet spot where there's a bunch of games that are coming out in a month or in two months. And they're finally at a point where they can allow people to actually play them. I, I don't foresee there being a whole lot of interesting stuff like that at E3 that fans would really be interested in other than seeing like giant, you know, resin replicas of God of War characters and stuff. Yeah, I guess we're going back to the days of, uh, you know, bands and half pipes and fire shooting across the show floor. Well, now you got me excited again. Yeah, <laughs> I'd pay 250 for that. <laughs> what were you going to say, Christian? Oh, I mean, I was, to Tara's point, I don't think that E3, as currently, uh, as it was last year, the couple of years before, there wasn't even a four-hour line for Borderlands, though, for example, right? Like, the games that were open to the just walk up and queue and get in line weren't the games I think fans would be excited about playing. I think that's the shift that E3 will need to make if it's open to the public is you need to have a place for like Mafia 3, you know, and it was fairly close to coming out. Like there was no way to play that unless you had a press appointment. There was no way to see anything. It was like this awesome uh, New Orleans booth, but it's like, hey, who are you from? What's your appointment? (laughs) So I just don't know what people are going to do. I will totally cop to the fact that the first E3 I ever went to I finagled my way in and the job that I had, the like day job I was working at the time had nothing to do with video games, but I made it sound like it did. And I was working in retail and we're considering adding video games to our thing and wrote a letter. I mean, those are back in the day when they were, they were a lot more lax about what it took to get in. But, uh, you know, I, I, I guess I'm a bit of a hypocrite in the sense that I was one of those people that got myself in before, uh, you were supposed to. So I don't know. Maybe it's maybe opening the doors is better. I just think it's going to make all of our jobs harder. <laughs> so, um, you know what, Terry, you're so awesome. Uh, I'm going to give you a second story to bring up because it sounded like you had something else you wanted to mention. Oh, I wanted to talk about um, what's the kid, the um, American kid who won the DDR World Championship yesterday. Yeah, how cool is that? Um, so this was what is it called? The Konami Arcade. <laughs> Konami Arcade Championship. So it's just like a it's a massive uh, video game championship where they play nothing but Konami games. Mm-hmm. And this was um this was the sixth annual one, but it was the first one where they've allowed people from America to compete. And this kid who I, I guess he first kind of came on the scene because he was like one of those savant uh, guitar hero players. Yeah, he was like the first person to um. 100% like some really hard level of Guitar Hero yeah, 3. Through, through the Fire and Flames, right? Which is that I, yeah. all of us who played that game remember the hand cramping from through <laughs> the Fire the and Ellen Flames. level. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So he, he just came in here and like I think uh, he, there was a lot of hype around him before this even began. Like he was kind of – I don't want to say the underdog but like I guess as an American that kind of – makes you an underdog in these kinds of championships and he just came in and like swooped everybody i don't know if you guys have seen the video of it it was like a eight hour live stream that they did of this championship but man the d the ddr uh levels that he played 
was insane. I tried watching it, but then my eyes started bleeding from the <laughs> because you it can't was... blink. I mean, no. I have to say, I I love uh, esports and I love uh, you know games done quick, and I love I love all of these like expert level video game playing demonstrations. Right, they're amazing. Nothing compares to rhythm game like world championship level play. It is. It seems inhuman. It, it doesn't seem possible, the speed yeah. at which they are inputting the commands. It is insane. It's like that old um, – I remember watching like a decade ago or something a video of competitive Tetris players. Right. Where it just looks like the video is like in fast forward the whole time, <laughs> yeah. but it's not. It's real time and that is what I felt like when I was watching this. Like forget the, the movements that they're doing. Just like – how these people's brains can process all the arrows that are coming down on the on the screen like enough to even like understand what's happening much less perfectly replicate them it blows my mind well it, i think at that point you're not even looking at the screen you're just you have memorized the the progression and you're just doing it as quickly as possible that is true it's, they probably don't even need to look at the screen, to be right. honest. Because it's there's nothing even to see on it. It's just a blur of insanity. So Exactly. It's, it's like Beethoven looking at sheet music, basically. Like, he doesn't need it. That's a great analogy. Uh, we should say this guy's name is Chris uh, Chike, I want to say. Chike. Um, and, you know, kudos to him going in there and winning DDR with the fastest legs on the planet. Uh, it's yeah. It's pretty impressive. Uh, really cool, and, and it's on Polygon. Uh, you can you can find the video. Um, it's definitely worth watching, not only for the DDR competition, but like there's a, a bunch of really obscure uh, rhythm games that. Oh, it's so good! It's just wild, wild stuff. Did you guys ever DDR? I mean, oh, briefly, yeah. yeah. When it was, I, a I thing. was never good at it. Yeah, but I did it. Yeah, it was one of when the it, first music games I brought home for Xbox one or 360 i don't remember which one but my wife uh amanda we were playing and the version we had there was a chris brown song and uh i just remember like not crying for real but she was just like very frustrated and she jumped off the mat and she goes i love chris brown but i hate this i hate this game this is before chris brown like beat women but it was like such like she was like i want to play but i hate it (laughs) the power of ddr (laughs) christian you got a story of the week the story of the week, I'm surprised it's not on here so I can just steal it from you, Jeff. The story of the week is everyone should be listening to all of the prints because oh, it's it's available. It not necessarily a gaming story, but Yes, it is. It's well, p- listen to prints while you're playing your game. All of all of the prints is available on all of the streaming. That's all you I'm, need to know. I'm conflicted because it literally took him dying for that to happen. Um I mean, he he is rolling over in his grave. He never wanted that to happen. Um, and his estate is like, oh, we'll take money. Yeah, money. We like that. And look at all the great things we've gotten from the Beatles after that. You know what I mean? Like, we got to pave over the bodies for progress, Jeff. Um, no, I get it. it yeah. Uh, but it's available, and it's amazing, and you should listen to it. The what, what could you play while you're listening to Prince? I don't know. Maybe a game that is just kind of grinding and, like, maybe mindless in the end game and goes on and on and gone. And Christian was right in Destiny 2 this year. It hasn't mm-hmm. happened yet, Christian. They're just saying it's on track. 
Well, but. I know, which means it won't be till 2020, but... <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> things are looking good. Uh, we saw this also on, on Polygon, and, and the reports are that the full sequel is in 2017. It's going to broaden the franchise's global reach, which a lot of people kind of latched onto that this is the PC one. Finally, the PC one. The PC one's coming. Global. How do you expand? It's not just a sequel. It's a PC one. And then there were also reports, uh, leaks that came out that... Activision gets like a chunk of uh, Bungie stock if they don't come out on time. And then Bungie replied basically just saying like, nah, bro, like <laughs> that's not true. Um, <laughs> but it was kind of in Activision financials is where it kind of first came out saying that it will come out this quarter time in the fall quarter. We won't. And then everyone's like digging and finding other leaks. But it looks like if all things go as planned, uh, Destiny 2 is on track for a fall. I mean, it's going to be in November. We're going to see it at E3. They're going to say it's going to drop, you know, 11, 13, you know, 17 or something weird. Um, I want to ask you about this sentence, though, in the financial disclosure. <laughs> it says uh, it will be more accessible for, quote, someone who wants a great, more casual first person experience. What's yeah. your on that, Christian? You like that? I, I think that's great. Uh, accessibility is always a good thing as long as it doesn't come at the sacrifice of depth for the hardcore player. So if you're able to get into the game and play it, um, uh, have have a more I, – I read that to mean that it will have more of a narrative basically because that was the thing that kind of I let, think left people wanting in the first Destiny. Like the, the end game grind and gameplay loop was there, but the incentive other than Trinket – um, you know, wasn't there and they got better and better with it with the DLC that came out over the years. And so I think if they come out with a game that has just a strong, maybe it's even only a six hour campaign, like imagine this has a Titanfall 2 level narrative that you can follow. It's easy. It just says, hey, you want to do the campaign? Do these seven levels. And you're like, fun. But then it also still has all the other stuff that Destiny fans know and love. I think that's awesome. And my gut tells me that's the way they're going to go. I don't think they're going to make it a game where it's just like easy. Like don't don't shoot, just walk. Like I don't know how else you make an FPS quote unquote accessible to new fans other than giving it uh, giving you a reason to play. If that makes sense, but I could be wrong, Tara. I don't know. What do you think? <laughs> I, oh, I'm 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 part of the filthy casual group when it comes to this game. Uh, I was really looking forward to it before it came out. And I, I played it for a bit, and it just – it didn't grip me the way that I wanted it to. And I think part of that has to do with the, like, big multiplayer aspect of it. Well, first of all, when it first came out, like, there was nothing in it. It was, like, an empty game. Um, uh, and even for, like, a long time after that, like, before they uh, – be- pretty much before they started adding a bunch of the DLC to it, it still felt, like, barren. Uh, my husband plays it a lot now. With his dad, weirdly. They're both, like, really into it. Oh, that's Um, awesome. Yeah, I watch them play it, and I'm just like, man, I don't know what it is about this game, but I am just not into it. I want to like it so much. I'm I'm into the storyline. I'm really into the art style. I just – I can't do multiplayer-only games. Hmm. Interesting. It's definitely multiplayer better. Like, you can't solo – play through the quote-unquote campaign um or the pve but it's definitely better i think who gosh who coined the phrase it's the it's the phone call game like what makes it fun is that you're hanging out with your dad like you don't care what you're doing uh and it has a really awesome tight controls and the gameplay loop is there so you basically 
talk to your dad for two hours. What did you do? I don't know. <laughs> we shot some stuff. And that's, I, that's the point. Yeah. I think and you I guess perfect- that's- Sorry, go Sorry. ahead. Oh, I was just going to say, I think you perfectly hit the nail on the head. Um, it is like, it's a, it's the type of game I think that is only like worthwhile if you are playing it with somebody else. And I, I'm one of those people who uses games as a means to escape other people. <laughs> and so that just sounds like the most miserable experience in the world to me. Like, I don't want to, I don't want to try to concentrate on doing something with my hands and doing something with my mouth at the same time. Like those two, never the twain shall meet for me. <laughs> That's awesome. <laughs> I- I guess that is the interpretation of more casual experience, uh, is that it, it is, it is still this sort of social lubricant. It is, you know, creating fun hangout sesh. But I think the thing that would have gotten me more into Destiny is more MMO-ness. And I've said this before, but I wish it was a little less casual and more robust in, in, in a much broader, more interesting experience. You know, it, it was, uh, big fun stuff to do on a on a planet you know it it would well it got me... there jeff it got there <laughs> you just never did and because it buried it too deep and it launched too bland like yeah. uh yeah. everyone accused it of but the the raids and the end game stuff after they actually created meaningful loot that you could get and grind out with people it got there it just wasn't there when people were interested enough people were interested in the game to bring someone like you that has a million other MMOs pulling you a million different directions to put in that time unfortunately yeah yeah and it's like you know there are those games and i guess this fits a niche you know i like i, I criticized uh no man's sky which i know we're going to be talking about a little later um <laughs> but uh the game that i wanted it to be exists it's called arc survival evolved like that game exists and i just didn't <laughs> know it existed it's like oh well, it ha- we have that game. Um, anyway, some people in the chat, uh, namely uh, Stephen A. Rivers and Shabadoo JR, are throwing shade at me, um, saying that I won't talk negatively about VR and that the the under the radar story of the week is that Best Buy was pulling their Oculus demos. Due Wait, to- I can't hear you. Hello, Jeff. I know, right? Um, <laughs> it's uh, it's not my story of the week, but I'm not, I'm not trying to avoid talking about it. I do think that's not a good thing. There's some. I would I would push back a little bit about the fact that it's due to lack of interest and more to how difficult it is to um, demo those kinds of things in a store where you have to like maintain cleanliness and you have employees who couldn't care less trying to you know deal with very complicated hardware. That's I can understand how demoing this in a retail space like Best Buy is problematic, um, you know. But that's not. I maybe it is. Maybe there is a bunch of people who who don't want to use them and they're it's too expensive for Best Buy to do. But it is a shame to me because I think experiencing these things is the way to believe in them and uh, having fewer ways to experience in them without buying them is is a bad thing. So there you go, guys. I did talk about it. But my actual story of the week is a positive VR story. <laughs> uh, an interview with uh, Gabe Newell said that he mentioned that uh, Valve is working on three full VR games, which he describes as being not just kind of demo-like experiences. These are full, you know, triple-A lengthy games, not tech demos. He didn't go into what these games were, what the nature of the games were. He kind of was cagey about whether they 
had anything to do with established Valve universes like Team Fortress or Half-Life. Um, I'm guessing they probably don't. Although a Left 4 Dead mo- a game in VR would be pretty rad. Uh, I think... Portal. Portal. I mean, Portal, Ooh, right? Yes. Portal's a, Portal is a no-brainer. Uh, there's already a fan-made Portal experience uh, mod that you can get on Vive. Uh, that's pretty pretty cool. It shows potential. I think that Valve should be um, forbidden from using the number three in describing anything. <laughs> Even if they are only working on three games, they should say uh, working on two or four. <laughs> there, there's there's no way you should be allowed to use the word three because only two of these games are going to come out. And the third one, they'll just not talk about ever again. Um Gabe's press relief said the half-life of our development for these games is very long or not even at the... <laughs> uh, they're being developed on the Source 2 engine and the Unity. Um, so I I love the fact... He's also said that while there is going to be big uh, technology leaps for uh, VR headsets, including better displays and everything, that the price probably won't go down and that's okay. He said that he'd rather be pushing the envelope and making niche games for a very small audience of people who want the best experiences than trying to create something that's broader. I respect that a lot, you know, as somebody that wants these, these things to show their potential rather than um, kind of be middle of the road. Tara, what is your stance on VR? I'm sure you've tried it at this point. What do you think? I've tried it. Um, I actually haven't used a whole bunch of it. Um, it was one of those things where I think you're right. Like you, you really can't conceptualize what it's like at all until you actually do it. Like I remember the first time I tried uh, the Oculus Rift, we got like a, a dev kit one in back in the Red Three Games office many many years ago, and that was back when they only had uh, the Tuscany demo where you were just walking around a villa in Tuscany, mm-hmm. and uh, the roller coaster demo. And it was like one of those experiences that it feels like cliche to call it life changing because in reality it didn't change my life at all. But like it was day changing. It was really, <laughs> really incredible. Like it was something that you you your mind it's like flipping a switch in your brain and your brain is never the same again. Right. It's it's I don't even have the words to describe it. Like that's how incredible it is. And that was a freaking villa in tuscany i mean it was a beautiful villa it was really nice you can't throw portals around it yeah you can't throw portals around it god i would love to see portal in vr um i i would imagine like didn't they have a i would i would not be shocked if they did some kind of vr experience for dota 2 they do they already have have the dota vr hub yeah okay i didn't know if that applied to uh, it's, a, it's a spectator mode, but it's right. amazing. It's really, really cool. Yeah. Yeah. Um, I don't know. I would kind of just love to see them like experiment with some new IPs. I feel like everyone, everyone kind of thinks of Valve as like Half-Life developer and right. maybe some other cool stuff. Uh, I would love to see them branch out a little bit. I feel like it's been a while since they really came out with something that was like wholly original. Mm-hmm. Yeah, really I suspect unique. that's what this is. I suspect that they, they are going to be completely new IP and completely new projects that are built f- from the ground up on VR. But I hope Portal is is one of them. I should also mention this story was submitted by Best Jeppy on the on our subreddit. Thank you for submitting that story, Best Jeppy. Uh, Christian, what do you think? Um, is this encouraging that at least, you know, we have these big full experiences to look forward to from a storied developer? 
Yes, I'm very reserved. Um, it, surprise, yes, it's awesome. surprise. It's it's awesome, but Valve, the video game developer, is rare. The video game developer, if, if that makes sense, right? Like, it doesn't. We all love Rare. We all love Rare. Oh, Rare! They make the best games. What was the last Rare game you played and loved? I don't know a game they've made since 1984. <laughs> <laughs> you know, it's like, oh man, Valve games are incredible. You can't wait till they make another great game that I like. That it's been 20 years well, since they've people made are one. Playing Team Fortress Two every single day. Right, it's a great game. I mean, it was that made a long time ago, but they're continuing twenty to years old. It. I'm exaggerating. Yeah, so I just don't know what this. I don't know what this thing is. Uh, I don't know what it's going to be. Valve certainly, uh, the company Valve has a pedigree of making some great games. I have no clue if any of those same people are still there. Well, also, I also don't trust any of these things coming out. They have the resources to make great games, right? They have a a cash pile and the ability to make a game and not have to have it be profitable. Right, they can dump. I think a they whole... actually call their cash pile my backlog. I think it's one and the same. <laughs> yeah, the Steam library. <laughs> my Steam cool. backlog is just their cash pile. <laughs> uh, I mean, speaking of which, another big story this week is how they're changing Steam Greenlight into Steam Direct, and it sounds like it's going to increase that cash pile uh, because <laughs> know, they're not. Letting... It's it's insane. Um, it's a very big story. I don't know if we need to go into all of it, but it it's going to change the way that indie games and small small team games get on on the system and it or the platform and it might you know it might be harmful actually because um they're going to charge per game which under steam greenlight it was one fee and you could put up as many games as you want as long as they were green lighted by by fans or by you know people eager to buy them now that fee they haven't said how much it's going to be but it's going to be a lot more i think the idea here is to reduce the total number of games that hit steam that are kind of crappy um and as an example of that, 40% of all the games on Steam were released in 2016. So it has had oh. exponential growth. To compare, in 2012, 379 games were released on Steam. In 2016, 4,207. So it's a pretty crowded place, and it's hard for any game to stand out, especially if it you know is coming from a small team that doesn't have a big marketing budget. Greenlight was a way for that to get in front of people because they needed to vote for it. Uh, it seems like that's going away and it's just going to be pay money. Your game's on steam. I'm not sure this is a good thing. Uh, I'm not sure it's a terrible thing either. Uh, Tara, do you have any thoughts about this? I'm, I'm a little conflicted. Uh, I, I understand like why they're doing it. I get wanting to streamline that whole process and, and kind of weed out some of the duds. Um, it is going to be more expensive for developers. My, my only thing is like, I feel like they're discounting the amount of of uh, hype that can be generated by uh, a game doing really well on Steam Greenlight. I'm I'm wondering like if they're still going to have that kind of voting system. It just won't be tied to like whether the game actually gets put into production. Hmm. Interesting. Yeah, I mean, it's, because I, go ahead. Oh, I was just going to say I, I I feel like that fan input is really valuable. Um, like I've heard about so many games over the past year or two that have been like, like Steam Greenlight games, and they just like blow up because sure. like you know one outlet writes about them, and then like every outlet picks it up, and it's just like it's a it's a massive hype generator, and I don't know if this is going to have the same kind of impact as that. Yeah, yeah, and it, I think it it um it really is just pay to play, right? It is if you pay the fee, your game's on on Steam, and I guess that's okay, but it, it seems like an interesting 
uh, gate to prevent, you know, it's like, well, we're, ha- we're going to reduce the number of bad games because it costs more to put a game on. It's like, well, okay, I guess that works. I don't know. I've played a lot of big budget games that aren't good, Jeff. Well, that's, we true too. <laughs> that's true too. Well, it uh, seems, it seems like the, the stopgap to like weeding out the bad games is just going to be like a cost issue because it sounds like the only um, requirement to actually get your Steam, your game on Steam Direct now will be like, does it function? Will it <laughs> right. cause your computer to explode? No? All right. Right. Cool. You're in. Yeah. And did you pay us the two grand or whatever it's going to yeah. be? Yeah. Uh, it remains to be seen, and we'll be following up on this uh, in the in the coming weeks to see how it shakes out. But certainly, there's a lot of consternation from indie devs, uh, and some interesting articles on on your site on Polygon uh, about people being really unhappy about this change. So it's going to be interesting to see how it shakes out. But it it certainly doesn't hurt Valve any because you pay more to get your game on. Uh, if you can't pay that. They don't lose anything, but if you get do get your game on, not only do they get your money uh, up front, they also get a percentage of all the sales you make. So, you know, it's a win win for them. <laughs> so, yeah. <laughs> uh, all right, guys. Uh, so much news. Uh, in, we didn't even get to the Castlevania on Netflix thing, which I'm pretty excited about. But uh, I want to get to games we've been playing. So let's move right now to story of the week. But first, or sorry, not story of the week, the playlist. But first, I do need to thank our sponsor. <laughs> Mac Weldon, uh, Mac Weldon, I'm sitting here now and I didn't plan this. I promise. I don't know which sponsors, uh, we have on a given episode until I sit down to, to start. And, uh, so I, I get dressed in the morning before that. And I just happened this morning to wear entirely Mac Weldon clothes. (laughs) I am sitting entirely in Mac Weldon. Uh, and why? Because it's comfortable because it doesn't stink and it (laughs) makes me feel good. I'm wearing my Mac Weldon underpants. My boxers, wearing my Mac Weldon, and that's all. No, I'm wearing my <laughs> Mac Weldon uh, sweatpants, and I'm wearing my Mac Weldon t-shirt. Uh, Mac Weldon is a place to get basics. Basics are the things that you reach for most often, and yet, bizarrely, the things you often think the least about. You you go to the the stupid big box store to buy your underpants or your socks or whatever. Nah. And, you, and then you go and you spend a whole bunch of money and you buy a, a shirt that you'll wear once a week or, you know, once every month. Mac Weldon flips that on its head and says, hey, make the coolest stuff that you buy the stuff you wear most often. Your basics. They have antimicrobial silver style. These are the silver underwear and shirts. They're silver line. Uh, they're naturally antimicrobial. So they're not going to stink. They have uh, really nice premium fabrics and a simple shopping experience. So you don't have to worry about going into that big box store. You don't have to take time out of your day. You just do it all on the internet and it comes in a really cool container. This is a great way to get your wardrobe, get stuff that's comfortable, that makes you feel good wearing it. Uh, And guess what? We're going to hook you up with 20% off. If you go to MacWeldon.com and use our promo code DLC at checkout, you get 20% off. That's M-A-C-K-W-E-L-D-O-N.com. Uh, these are comfortable clothes. In fact, if you don't like your first pair of uh, of underpants or whatever, uh, they'll refund your money. No questions asked. That's pretty cool. Mack Weldon underwear, socks, shirts. They look good. They perform well. And we're going to give you 20% off. Use that promo code DLC at checkout. Upgrade your wardrobe. Go for it. I don't know how it goes. <laughs> <laughs> you don't know how it goes. You've only done 150 wait, wait. episodes of this. 
Ooh, it's the playlist. We're going to talk about video games we're playing. Don't call it what you've been playing, because that was a different show that Jeff and I used to do. This is the playlist. Awful. <laughs> what you playing this week? Tell us. Ooh, what you playing this week? Tell us on the playlist. Tara, you have been playing some stuff, uh, including a game that I think a lot of people have abandoned playing. I know. I'm <laughs> I'm I'm a trooper. I like it. I so I've been getting back into No Man's Sky and I hate myself for it. Uh, it's, <laughs> it's not a good game. There's your box uh, quote. <laughs> it's oh man. So I got really into it when it first came out obviously. Um and I probably played it more than most people did. I feel like most people abandoned it within a week and I was like for a good month or two getting really into it all the while acknowledging that it is not a good game mm-hmm. um since they released uh the latest update of it the foundation update that adds like base building and a bunch of new emerald uh emeralds uh a bunch of new minerals um i've found it completely changes the game because there are actual like quests now uh, the base building stuff is is not super interesting on its own, um, but that's kind of that becomes basically the point for you to receive quests, um, and it just like that in combination with the survival mode that they added, I think gives the game meaning again. Mm-hmm. Um, the survival mode is actually really the first like. I want to say day or so is really difficult. You die a lot and it's not quite permadeath. Like you you don't like have to start the game over or anything, but you do lose all of your inventory permanently, which can be very frustrating. And that's the kind of punishment I like when I play video games. Um, <laughs> but it's – I don't know what about it appeals to me. I'm still like in that honeymoon phase of – of wanting to explore like new planets and see new creatures, even though I feel like I've, I've seen every creature that exists in the universe. Um, and somehow I'm still playing it. I will say that there is a really, really big bug in the game where I, um, got like 99% of the way through the Atlas quest and then like didn't have enough materials in order to be able to turn it in. Hmm. And there's no way I can go back and get more materials like that. Well, I guess I could technically, but then that quest will never appear for me again. So so that's why I say this is not a good game. Like there are a lot of problems with it. Um, (laughs) So so what brought you back? I don't know, man. I I don't know. Like it's just like a weird comfort for me. It's the (laughs) kind of game that I feel like only – only someone on like an extreme amount of Adderall would really enjoy. Like half of the game is inventory management. Uh, yeah. I don't know what it is about it. It's just like it's my zone out time. Um, I'll be honest. I love inventory management. I, don't I know, do too. I, it's a weird thing. It's the same part of me that really loves like repacking my board games back in the box and just just so. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's weird. Maybe it's an OCD thing, but it super is. Uh, I would you like guys to get in- my house because I have a whole bunch. I have two kids, no. and there's a lot of repackaging that no, can happen I don't, every it's, night. <laughs> it's very particular. I don't like cleaning up. I don't yeah. like. I'm not That's an organized person. No, <laughs> it is. Tell my brain that because my brain doesn't believe it. 
My brain thinks it's this weird fun activity that has nothing to do with cleaning up. You never played the board game uh, Christian's House is Messy? We've played it all day, Jeff. Come over and put that yeah. board game away. <laughs> yeah. I, I wish. I wish my wife would be so much happier if I actually, uh, you know, if that was applicable to to actually, you know, being tidy, but it isn't. It's just no. very specific to like video it's, game yeah. inventory and it's, it's a different part of your brain entirely. And I'm not sure where it comes from, but there is like a weird masochistic pleasure in it. Yeah. If if there was if there was a way for me to look at one pillow in my house and go, uh, does that that one gives me plus seven to sleep. <laughs> but this other pillow gives me plus four to energy. That would be like that would be my crack. I would be all over that, but that's just not the way it works. It's only in video games. Um, Did you ever see that? Um, I think a couple months after it came out, somebody posted an image to Reddit that uh, showed that placing similar items next to each other in your inventory actually made them more powerful. What do you mean? Oh yeah, in No Man's Sky. This is back in the game. Yeah, oh, so oh, like oh, placing oh, oh. two, like a deflector shield Tau and a deflector shield Sigma, placing them like adjacent to each other in your inventory makes them more powerful. Oh god! So now you're rearranging your inventory. Well, like there's Tetris in your inventory. Yeah, it's a oh, nightmare. Boy. Yeah, and it's something that the game like never communicated to anyone, and no one would have known, and still would never know if somebody hadn't posted some random image to wow. Reddit. Like, that's the kind of stuff that makes this game both infuriating and incredibly satisfying at the same time. Well, uh, Tara, I'd like to introduce you to my friend Christian. Uh, he's a big fan of No Man's Sky, but he never left his home planet. Hi. No. <laughs> Wait, was it, was it just that dope or did you just not care? It was no, I, I, it was that dope, and I went. I ha- suffer from my own version. How of would OCD you know how life. dope it is comparatively? That's true. You have no, you have it's no dope reference. You're yes. right, because there's no internet catalog of other people's planets. I, you're right. I've never seen anything else about the game. I know nothing about it other well, than my... Tell, tell me about it. What was it like? Uh, well, it's still there. Um, it's still... Ex- I haven't gone back, unfortunately. But there was no water, but otherwise it was very beautiful. It was very beautiful. Uh, purple sunrises and sunsets oh. with... Uh, Mostly brown and green, but some blue foliage throughout. So a real nice color palette. Basically, Christian, like, yeah. in the chat, Litsa has you nailed because uh, Litsa is pointing out that it, it is a world where there's a bunch of penises carved in rocks. Well, I was going to get to that. Yeah, and then, <laughs> You were? You were going to get to that? Yeah. So what I did on my home planet was I my OCD is uh, I knew that if I left now – I would just kind of just keep bouncing until I got to the center. Like I'd be that speedrunner type person. If I was ever going to complete one planet, it was going to be my home planet. And I wanted to 100% everything there before moving on. And then as I was carving to mine for things, I realized that I could carve all of the mountains in my planet into penises. And I started to do that. And I named them. I named everything on my planet. I carved everything into a penis. Uh, If you want to know why Christian would do such a thing – uh, listen to his comedy album, and it'll be <laughs> right. No, now you're not helping. Do you that need is- a reason to do that? <laughs> Thank you. Thank you, uh, Jeff. It was nice doing a show with you for these years. Tara and I have a new one. Uh, <laughs> it sounds like a noble Weekend. pursuit to me. Because you, you can, and then you, you do it by accident the first time. Like I just turned this huge, already phallic symbol into a more purposeful phallic symbol, uh, and I named it, and I named everything about, it. and I just got addicted to that. <laughs> finding everything yeah, so and naming it and and I I was naming it like uh 
all sort like whatever you know if someone ever found this this is when the game was still maybe someone would be here and my names would be there and whatever and so i would like leave notes to people in case i know jeff was playing it so i'd be like this is jeff's flower Aww. and then at the base of the but large I would penis. never i see it you knew that i would never see it well because you hated the game and you hate fun what but but it's romantic, though. That's what, that's what I loved about the game. Romantic. And so I never left, and I haven't gone back since they've updated it. But I keep telling myself I will. But my new crack, what gives me that zen, uh, is Forza Horizon 3. And I that, to me, scratches the same itch that No Man's Sky did for whatever reason of, like, I'm decompressing. I'm just playing a game mindlessly and exploring this world while kind of doing nothing. So I never bounce back to it. I Tara, I know that you said you don't like multiplayer stuff and you play games to avoid people, but I found that I don't know if you've played any of the survival games, like true survival games, because No Man's Sky sounds like it's trying to sort of retroactively become games like Ark Survival Evolved, which is really what I've been playing a lot of uh, lately. And it, it is... It is the thing that I wish No Man's Sky was. It is, It is. you know, go to a place, survive on that place, mine things, collect resources, actually build things that your friends can check out that are actually cool structures. And this week, I, my friend and I, uh, we got our first dinosaur mounts. We tamed dinosaurs and then uh, climbed atop their backs and rode, strode through the jungle side. I mean... Is it penis-shaped dinosaurs? Like, well, how no, are you selling this to me? No, there's no, there's nothing like that. It's, uh, it's awesome. Anyway, I, I think these games are what No Man's Sky, what everybody assumed No Man's Sky was going to be, and then it isn't. I, yeah, you're not the first person to say that. Uh, I think a lot of people share that sentiment. I have, I personally have not played Ark, uh, but I would love to give it a try. Yeah, you should. I mean, I think it was like 10 bucks on Steam when I picked it up last week. I don't know if it was a limited sale, but there's a whole bunch of these. And people have talked to me about Rust and, and Conan Exiles is just is coming out. It just hit Steam Greenlight as well. I played a bunch of that. So um, it's, a, it's a whole genre now, but yeah. I think you might dig it. Hmm. Uh, tell me about Papers, please, because we don't think we've talked about that game on the show. Oh, really? Oh, man, it's so have. good. Uh, have either of you played it? I have yes. not. I have. It's uh at the time it was when I first played it it was topical and interesting and now it's topical and sad. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I think you said it perfectly. Um this is another one of those games that I think appeals to the part of my brain that really likes inventory management because it is the most mundane premise for a game that you can imagine, but I've been playing it a lot lately. Um just because like when I when I get home from work um much in the same way that I think a person who works at Taco Bell doesn't want to eat Taco Bell in their off time. Uh, I've been trying to avoid my consoles more and more and just stick to iPad games because it's something like I've gotten really into cooking and it's something that I can just kind of like do, you know, in the middle of preparing ingre- ingredients. Um, and I think two of the games that are probably some of the best iPad games out there are Papers, Please and FTL, which is like my favorite game of all time, probably. It's a um, great game. It's yeah. so good. But Papers, Please, I think, has like I've been hearing more and more about it lately because of, you know, Trump and obvious reasons. And um, I'm, I'm starting to realize now just how robust the game really is. There's like 35 different endings, uh, and I think before I picked it up again, I had only experienced maybe two or three of them. 
Hmm. Um, and once you beat the game on the story mode, there's all these like you unlock endless mode, which has a bunch of different like timed modes, like see how many passports you can approve in like 10 minutes. And again, none of this sounds fun as I'm describing it. But it actually is a very enthralling game. And it's one of those games that, like, puts you in a mode where, like, you get really good at it. And then the second you put it down, when you pick it back up, it's like learning a new language all over again. Like, it's, it becomes really difficult. Um, so I don't know. I've just been having a lot of fun with that. I was traveling some last week, and that is, like, the perfect airplane game, mm. uh, as is FTL. Yeah. Which is, like, I – I'm not exaggerating when I say that I have put probably over 2,000 hours into that game. Wow. And I'm so excited now because uh, Subside Games, the guys who made FTL, just announced their new game, Into the Reach, which looks amazing. Uh, I don't know if you guys have heard about this. Yeah. 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 I was excited about it too. Uh, I, I It makes a lot of sense now when you talked about the the specific ways in which you like games to punish you because uh, I feel like FTL is, is right in that wheelhouse. Oh, man. It's so good. It, I, I will – I don't know if I'll ever experience anything in games the way that I felt when I beat that game for the first time. I've played it so much now that I've beaten every ship on every difficulty. And it's like trying to imagine that when I first started playing it was like, what? That's impossible. Like, that's not human. (laughs) That's not human. You know? I agree. Uh, Yeah, I, I feel that way having only played a little of FDL. Yeah, it's oh, it's just such a good game, and I just implicitly trust anything those guys do now. So, uh, Into the Breach is going to be like a f- for sure pre order for me. Awesome, uh, Christian. I, I guess we buried the lead a little bit because the big game everybody's talking about right now, you have been playing, which is Neo. Uh, yeah, I, I wouldn't have guessed this would be a game that you would gravitate to. Yeah, it, it's not in the sense that it's too big and too long for me to be able to finish um just because i know my tendencies to be a moth to a flame and i know um march is going to be the worst slash best month for video games maybe ever the way (laughs) things are shaping up right now in terms of of punishment and it feels weird to tell your wife and daughters like you need to go to work but what you're really doing is dying a whole bunch of neo and it's like no this is important daddy needs to do this um (laughs) i haven't played as much as i wanted as much as i thought i would have uh some stuff came up this weekend but i have the first hour which is kind of just the prologue um i streamed it and it's on my twitch and my youtube which is just christian spicer 713 and if you don't know anything about neo at this point the shorthand for it is Samurai Dark Souls, um, but faster is <laughs> always kind of the, the caveat at the end. But it's sort of Dark Souls meets Ninja Gaiden, right? Yeah, because it's Team Ninja made. Again, Team Ninja is also kind of like rare of old. Like who is Team Ninja anymore? Because that those developers, people have certainly left that studio. Um but it, you you feel the pedigree of that style of action game in this in terms of its movement. Like, it's faster than Bloodborne. My experience with that Souls-style game is just the teeniest, teeniest bits of, I think it was Dark Souls 2, um, and then a little over half of Bloodborne before I kind of just bounced off that game for whatever reason. I, I liked it fine, but I put it down and then never kind of got back to it. Um, and the prologue of Neo, the opening hour is really strong like it it opens 
Uh, it's really compelling. It pulls you in. Um, tiny, tiny spoiler if you want to know nothing about it. Uh, stop for 30 seconds. Um, but it pulls a Metroid on you. So you start the prologue and you get some cool stuff and you have some powers or whatever. And then it Metroids them away from you and you kind of start again. Um, and that's then when you have the option to spoiler over, uh, to start the tutorial. It actually comes after the prologue. Um, but the way the game kind of combines that Ninja Gaiden fluid action combo combat with a game that treats every encounter with respect or that you as the player need to treat every encounter with respect because even the lowest grunt could kill you if you, you know, become Icarus for a moment and fly too close to the sun, you know, and take your eye off the prize. Mm-hmm. Um, it's really interesting. I think you'd really like this game, Jeff. For me, I I struggle with my uh, self-diagnosed analysis paralysis of, like, you get into the menu and you have uh, four main weapon types, I believe. It's sword, dual, dual sword, axe, and then um, sickle chain thing whatever that ninja weapon is. Um, but then you, you can have multiple weapons and then you have a stance high, mid, low, and it's like speed, power, Mario. I always call like the, the middle, the guy that can do everything. Uh, Super Mario Brothers 2, Mario. Uh, but you can change as you're fighting. And so I am, I am just a little baby in this world of Neo. Like I'm first act matrix one neo in this neo if that makes sense (laughs) we're like i know kind of what i can do but i'm not doing it right but like the potential for combos or linking from a stance then changing a weapon mid-fight like you'll block then switch to an axe when you have an opening and go in for this huge brutal heavy hit then you can pop out of that and go into your faster stance and switch to dual swords and circle around and take out like the depth in this game seems to to be mind-blowing, and I'm just scratching the surface of it. And I think that level of combat combined with this Souls progression, plus plus loot, Jeff. There's Diablo-style loot, so you're always... Listening. Right, you're always getting stuff, which Souls games had unlocks too, but they were always more of those... Or drops, I should say. But they were like more significant style of things. Right. Here, you're picking up swords that half the time are worse than what you have, but you pick them up because then you can sell them and then you can melt it down or, you know, whatever they call it in this game to combine to the thing, to get the thing, to build you a better dude. And you're getting gear. So your guy looks different because I'm wearing a hat from uh, 17th century Japan and I'm wearing pants from the Tower of London still. And you're just, hmm. it, it's, it's really, really, really well done. I, I don't know if I will ever finish it, though, because uh, it starts hurting you. <laughs> yeah, yeah, that's what I've heard. How, how many times did you die in the hour that you streamed it? Uh, only twice. Oh, really? Okay. So oh. I should say that while my Bloodborne and Souls experience is, is limited, um, for whatever reason, I'm not the best at games. But I found the Ninja Gaiden games to be fairly easy. Whoa, and I know wow, those were wow, apparently wow. hard as well. Mm. Listen to like, Mr. Humblebrag over here. Well, I gravitate toward that action gameplay. So I think when Souls really slowed things down and people like you, uh, I believe you were more successful at like turtling through that game. Mm-hmm. Like that was never my play style. So Bloodborne, I got pretty good with the roll and a shotgun and an evade. And this, oh yeah, what do they call it in this too? It has active reload, basically, hmm. where as you dodge, uh, you're able to, is it the chi, the key? 
my, I'm sorry, my terminology is off again. I'm maybe only three or four hours into this. I was hoping to be eight. Um, but like as you block or dodge or reload, you have an opportunity to, to hit that bumper again and it reloads your stamina essentially. Mm. So you get into this awesome rhythm. I'm not there yet, but the potential is there of like block, reload your stamina, parry around a guy, open up. You get your window of opening, you hit him with the big axe or, you know, your big heavy, and that depletes your stamina, but then you can pop and reload and avoid the next attack and then go in with a lighter weapon and, you know, wail on the guy for a little bit and then bounce around and, like, that level of team ninja combat, when done well, is incredible. That sounds cool. Uh, how is the inventory management? <laughs> oh, you'll love it. It's awful. It's awful. Really? <laughs> Tedious and amazing. Oh. It, yeah. None of that sounds like a dream. I think you, I, you'd, you'd love it. It doesn't, it's, I wish there was a way to like, I want to collect all this stuff because of course you do, but it's not convenient to then like unload it as you'd want to. You know what I mean? Like you kind of like, uh, I gotta, you gotta go through and do whatever, but it's all about it. It's all about inventory management. You're picking up so much stuff. Uh, you guys should try this game. But again, I get it because Horizon, Zelda, Mass Effect, uh, yeah. they're all here. They're all here. Yeah. Um, I've been playing a lot of two games that I can't talk about yet. Uh, and I really want and to. And I hate you. Yeah. I hate you for both. You should of definitely them. hate me. Um, <laughs> but next week I get to talk about them and I will be very excited about that. So, so stay tuned for that. Um, but something I can talk about, guys is our new sponsor. This is a sponsor that I have been begging us to get uh, because you probably heard them sponsor other podcasts. I want them to sponsor ours. It's Audible, audible audible.com. And do you know why I wanted them so badly? Well, it's two reasons. One, I love audiobooks. I use audiobooks as a way to motivate myself to work out. Uh, I, I will get into an audiobook And then I will tell myself, you're not allowed to listen to the next chapter unless you are doing something active, unless you're running or at the gym or something. So I use that as like a carrot on a stick to listen to the next part of the cool story that I'm listening to. And Audible has all the audiobooks. I mean, it really does. They have every category, every genre you could possibly want. Uh, original audio shows, news, comedy, and then, you know, all the fiction and nonfiction that you could imagine, even magazines and, and newspapers. If, if you, you know, if you want that kind of content, Audible's got your back. Memberships include a free audiobook a month, uh, and 30% off all regularly priced audiobooks and unlimited access to the channel's content. But the second big reason I wanted Audible to be a po- uh, a sponsor for our show, I narrated an audiobook, you guys. I narrated one, and I'm so proud of it. Uh, You know, I did it a while back, but I'm guessing most of you haven't heard it. It's a sci-fi book. It's called Traveling in Space. It was written by Stephen Paul Leva. And with our Audible sponsorship, you can get that book for free. And why not? Why not give it a shot? If you like listening to me talk about video games or anything, uh, give this a shot. It's a completely different side. Uh, This is a really fun It's a first contact science fiction story. So the idea is aliens making first contact with human beings, but it's told from the perspective of the aliens. So it's all about how aliens view us. And these particular aliens are 
the, they're, they're the next level of evolution from us. So all of them are aesthetically perfect. So they all look like the most beautiful people in the world. So like them arriving on earth is this amazing moment. It's kind of comedic, but really insightful. It's called traveling in space. And I did over 60 different voices for this book. Uh, it was a huge amount of work and it's something I'm really, really proud of even, uh, you know, these couple of years after I'm, I'm done with it and you can get it absolutely for free just because you listen to our show. All you got to do is go to audible.com slash DLC and you'll get a, uh, a, uh, 30 day trial membership and a free audiobook. I'm hoping that you, you can choose any of their audiobooks as your free audiobook. I'm hoping you'll choose traveling in space by uh, Stephen Paul Leva, and give me a, 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 a tweet or an email letting me know what you thought of that book because uh, I'm really proud of my work on it. Audible's great for your commute, for traveling, for doing chores around the house. You're, you know, people often say they don't have time to read. This is the perfect way to double up and read while you're doing other things you need to do. Audible.com. Uh, download your free book and start. Try traveling in space. Audible.com slash DLC. We don't have to spend a ton of time on VR talk today because, um, you know, we talked a bit about it in the, in the uh, Story of the Week segment. But I did want to mention... You know, one of the games that I really raved about when the PSVR was released was Robinson the Journey, the Crytek. Uh, you're a little kid on a planet. There's dinosaurs and uh, cool stuff happens. And it has just released on Oculus. I checked it out on Oculus because I wanted to compare it to the PSVR version. It's already beautiful. I mean, one of the most visually impressive VR games available uh, on PSVR. And it looks even better on Oculus. Uh, I... You, you can really tell the difference in power, you know, between a, a is the it PlayStation. touch or still not touch. Sadly, it is still not touch, and that's uh. really unfortunate. Especially is strange because Crytek's other game, The Climb, had a touch patch. Yeah, yeah, that that added that in and and really improved that game tremendously. Um, but unfortunately, they it's still just controller only. Uh, it's still a great game and well worth playing. It's not super long. It's probably a four to six hour experience, but man, it feels like a big meaty game, has a lot of really cool moments, and it proves, especially in VR, that you can do, um, you know, nonviolent sort of interesting new ways to create gameplay loops. Uh, this is a game where, you know, you're taking pictures of stuff, you're scanning things, you are, uh, you're exploring more than anything else. Um, and it's still really fun moment to moment. You know, you're climbing on, on things, you're checking out these, these dinosaurs and the way you scan them is you have to like trace these dots that, you know, you, you, you turn on your scanner and there's dots that are like data points inside their skeleton as you and, do, as you do. And uh, there are certain dots you have to avoid and certain dots that you have to scan. And so you have to hit, you know, all the green dots without hitting any red dots. Um, and it's, you know, it's challenging. I wish I was doing it with my hand instead of my face. But hopefully, you know, they will ha end up having a touch uh, update to this. I think it would really work. But um, Is man, that a it scary game? No, no. But, okay, because I remember, like, they had 
just announced it not long before last year's E3, and all they had released at that point was just like a very bare bones teaser trailer. And I remember thinking, like, this looks really pretty and also terrifying. <laughs> because I think the way they spun it, and maybe this is just my own interpretation, but in the teaser, it looked kind of like you were running away from the dinosaurs. Well, there's a there's a lot of wonder and there's a lot of majesty of the big dinosaurs. And there's definitely a couple of sequences where, like, velociraptors are hunting you and you have to sneak by them. <laughs> I didn't find those to be particularly – I mean, it's no Resident also, Evil 7, you know. Oh, I think uh, Tara's saying she doesn't want to play Ark, though, even though it's... Do you just not like scary games? Or, or you like, just don't like dinosaurs? No, see, <laughs> I, can, I could handle that kind of stuff, but the VR aspect of it is what terrifies me. Although I had heard that uh, Resident Evil 7 is not nearly as scary in VR. What? Despite... You heard wrong. You heard <laughs> so, real well, wrong. So what I heard was that, like, because it doesn't look as good, like, the the quality of the picture just isn't as good as the game. And like part of what makes the game so scary is that it is so photorealistic. I think uh, whoever told you that was going to film you playing it in VR and have the most watched video I mean, on look, YouTube. I'm a big baby when it comes to scary games. I have no idea that, that I would soil myself thoroughly <laughs> upon playing that game, not even in VR, just the regular version of it. Um, purely relatively. It, it, it is true that it doesn't look as good in VR as it does in 2D, but it still looks really, really good and really, really real. And it is even more real because it's all around you and things are in 3D. And when the zombie grabs you by the throat, it really feels like he's grabbed you by the throat. And when he's holding a knife at your eyeball, it's, you know, an inch you from your eyeball. You turn your head and something's there. Like you literally turn your head. I yeah. had to stop playing it. I couldn't. I couldn't do it. I couldn't muster more than like thirty minutes at a time, and like I just couldn't. I mean, there's a part at, at the beginning where you have to escape by going like underneath the house in some water, and the water comes up to your neck. And in VR, it felt like there was water up to my neck, and it is the most. Uh, it is absolutely amazing. I, I mean, it, I was. I felt short of breath. It is. Yeah. I mean, it's terrifying, but extraordinary i yeah i can see that. i have no doubt that it is scarier in vr i guess maybe the point i was trying to make uh and this was like a, i think a verge article that was talking about it is that the experience is compromised in vr because the picture quality isn't quite as good and then also like they mentioned something about having the like floating hands in front of you that's unfortunate a little yeah. bit, but I don't. I didn't find it to be particularly distracting or. But yes, the, the larger I think point is that unfortunately, VR is incredible, but it's not. It's so incredible now that you want it to be more incredible, if that makes sense. Because you're dude, like, I'm here, but I want it to be moment, even better. Just that moment in that when you load up the menu and you're sitting at the table and there's like a telephone in front of you, and I mean that looks so good. I'm saying it's incredible, but I, I if this Verge article or whatever, I don't disagree with. Do I wish it looked like it does on my TV screen, like that fidelity? Yes, and I think you'd be lying if you said that wouldn't make it even better. Like it's amazing, it's amazing, but no, the limitations I mean, yeah. of the technology are very real. Well, I, I every time I play something like Uncharted Four, and I go. This is very soon from now. Games are going to look like this in VR. I get very excited, and I know that once that's the case, games will look even better in 2D. But 
when games look like Uncharted 4 in VR, crisp like that, and and it's and we're not yeah. far away from that. We're like two years away from that. It's I'm excited. Yeah. Right. Yeah. We're all on the same page. Um I also played uh, I tried Ark in VR. It's not really playable, so I'm not gonna talk about that. But I did try Knockout League on Oculus. Uh there's a couple of boxing games. I think I talked about um the thrill of the fight on Vive a while back. Uh, boxing just inherently works well in in uh, VR because you're up close to something, you're swinging your arms around. But Knockout League, I think, is really the dream of uh, Mike Tyson's Punch-Out done the way we all imagined it when we were kids because the characters are really cartoony looking. They all have wild uh, themes, you know, like professional wrestler style, you know, theming to them. And they're they're super cartoony and exaggerated and they you know when you have on the highest graphic setting they're they're almost um they're almost claymation looking and uh you're punching them and you're dodging stuff and it's very punch out in the sense of like here comes a punch you can tell and they powered up and now their gloves are on fire and you better dodge this one or he's going to smack you but it's awesome i mean it's it's the way those games were meant to be played in a, in a large sense it's like you're actually doing the thing and the 3dness of the person's Staring right at you, uh, you know, four inches from your face is uh, is pretty pretty cool. I had heard, and I may be wrong. I'd heard that this is kind of less uh, boxing and more QTE. Like you can't punch well, whenever so you punch want out. to. So it's punch out. Punch, punch out, out is you that can punch whenever you want. You just expose yourself and you get wrecked. Same same z's. Same z's. I mean, you, you, if you're if you're um, little Mike and you're just mashing a button you're most of the time not even going to land a punch. It's just not going to even work. But I've heard right? in this that you can't even punch. No, that's not true. Uh, you okay, can punch you... and it hits his face, but he doesn't care because you, uh, you didn't time it right. Got it. Okay. Yeah. But it's uh, it's real fun and cool. It's called Knockout League on Oculus. Uh, Christian, you've been having issues with your... I don't know what it, and this is the problem. I think uh, my headphones don't work, and I don't, and like I feel like a third of the time I fire it up, one of the sensors doesn't work. I need to plug it back in. Like I've become frustrated with Oculus, and that I know it's a better headset, and the touch controllers are better than PlayStation Move. But I, I just wanted to bring up, like again, the simplicity. VR is still kind of a headache to set up, but I'm still I'm continuously impressed with the simplicity of psvr and that it works at all is magic because i don't i don't know what it is i guess it's you know it could be it's probably something i'm doing but that pc gaming troubleshooting like a million different hardware manufacturers trying to work together to pull off a thing i don't know my head they just don't work anymore the oculus headphones don't work so i'm running like a different set of headphones and then like my one sensor isn't working but it just was working yesterday when i played and like any impediment to enjoyment of putting on a vr headset makes me not want to do it at all so now I just look at my Oculus and I get you got There's so many free things that I've been recommending to you that you just got to. I try know, and them. I try to play them all, and then it's like your sensor's not recognize you, and I'm like, oh, Palmer, you jerk, and I like already <laughs> hate him. So now I like hate him even more. This is uh, why I've resisted getting any kind of VR hardware until they can make it so that all I have to plug in is one thing. I'm out. That's PSVR. <laughs> that, I mean, that re- I, I mean, it's two things, but like. It, it, um, well, I tried to set up the PSVR when we were uh, doing a review of it. It took over an hour to set up and just like plugging. I, I don't mean like plugging one thing into the wall and then plugging a thousand things into that one thing that's going into the wall. <laughs> like that's cheating. I just want to I just want to plug one thing in max. Yeah, yeah. we'll get there. But right now that's that's only like a phone 
the Google right. and yeah. you know, Galaxy and stuff like that. But we will get there. And I agree. It is, you know, Jeff, and I say this with the best, uh, the best way possible. You are a VR apologist and that True. you love it so much that you're willing to look past any of the faults. And I think I'm a VR appreciative ist. <laughs> uh, no, you're a VR critic. Okay. I'll take that too. And then I would say a lot of other people are VR nope. Cause it no, just, they're VR it's, skeptics. It's not, well, it's not accessible enough. They're I, not willing to put up with any of that headache to do the thing, which I totally understand. So yeah, I am, I am willing to reorganize my life to create, to find those magic moments, right? And your office. And like exactly. My, my living space, my everything. I'm, because the magic of it is so transcendent for me, I'm willing to do that. And I understand most people aren't like that, but that's okay. There are some of us that are, and I get tweets from them every day. It's uh, good. The world needs people like you, Jeff. <laughs> So Jeff's Twitter timeline is, okay, Snowflake, okay, Snowflake, oh, Jeff, when are you going to talk about just video games again? Yeah. Oh, Jeff, this is so annoying. Jeff, I too love VR. Jeff, I hate you. Oh, yeah. no, that's absolutely the case. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, so here's an email of, of a kindred spirit. This comes from Craig. Uh, he, he sent this to dlcfeedback at gmail.com. He says, I just wanted to drop you a mail to recommend a game that I feel has been overlooked by a lot of people, and it's easily one of my games of the year for 2016. Werewolves Within. This is basically a VR version of the tabletop one-night ultimate werewolf game, and I believe Jeff talked about it briefly on an earlier episode, but not since it has been released. If you aren't familiar, Werewolves Within is a hidden role social game with up to eight players are given secret roles like villager, werewolf, etc., The villagers are trying to work together to out the werewolves, and the werewolves are trying to turn the villagers against each other. At the end of each round, everyone votes on who they want to execute, and the player with the most votes is killed. If the player executed is a villager, the werewolves win, and executing a werewolf gives the villagers a win. Each round lasts a maximum of 10 minutes, and then the roles are swapped. I would highly recommend anyone who hasn't played this game try it out. Despite being an online-only game that you mostly play with strangers, I've never had a bad game. The community around this game is wonderful. I guarantee if you try it, you will end up saying, maybe just one more game a countless number of times until you remove your headset and realize it's 3 a.m. and you've got to work in the morning. This game really opened my eyes to social gaming in VR and how powerful it is. Werewolves Within really captures the feeling of playing uh, One Night Ultimate Werewolf around a table with some friends. Ever since playing this, I've been thinking of other tabletop games that would work well in VR. Imagine Spyfall VR, where the non-spy players are actually in a VR location and the spy has limited sight slash information and is trying to figure out what the location actually is. I'd love to hear if there are any other tabletop games that you would think would work well in VR. And I also wanted to say I love the show and I've been a big fan since we can confirmed. All the best, Craig. Uh, thanks for the email, Craig. Uh, I did love this game and still do. I think it, it's cool as a tabletop game, but it's also it really proves that when we crack the whole social thing in VR, it's going to be massive. And I mean, I know every novel about VR uh, knows this, right? Ready Player One and Snow Crash and every you know post VR revolution. Uh, sci-fi novel knows that when you have an avatar in the VR space, it's going to be game changing, but it we're there. We like sitting around in werewolves within and looking at human players who look like, uh, you know, cartoon villagers is already magical. And 
incredible. And you can actually see tells based on the little facial ticks that the game is picking up and transmitting over, you know, a very simplistic looking interface. Um, so it's a, it's a ton of fun. It's a really cool game. Um, and yes, any social game, uh, I think would work well in, in VR. I think there's going to be a whole bunch of those type of social experiences. And I think there's a lot of companies that are trying to be the first in the VR social space. Um, and it'll be interesting to see which one catches on because one of them is going to, and it's going to change everything. I feel like Se- Secret of Hitler would be perfect for that. Yeah, totally. Yeah, any of these, any of these like party games, you know, I think that's, mm-hmm. that'd be so great. Including a game I'm going to talk about in the Tabletop Time segment. Which I guess we should get to now. Why not? Oh, man. This is where I put the thing and I didn't have the thing ready. Hang on. Hang on. Rookie. Ah, it's like I've never done this before. Right now. Right now. Uh, speaking of party games, uh, I played a bla- <laughs> really an amazing one. I picked it up at PAX South when I was there. And, uh, man, this is a great – we literally can play an entire round in a minute. In fact, if you follow me on Instagram, you can see I put up two sessions of it that I played this weekend with friends in town uh, because they're less than a minute. And it's called Happy Salmon. It's from North Star Games. It's the same guys that did what I consider to be the best party game of all time, Wits and Wagers. Um, and it's a simple, inexpensive, quick to play game where you have a deck of cards that const- are constituted of four different kinds of gestures. There's a high five, there's a fist pump, there is, um, what they call a happy salmon, which is like you stick your arm out and you slap another person's forearm. And there's switcheroo, which is like switch places with someone. And as you stand around with up to eight players, I think it is seven or eight. Uh, you're all going through your deck as quickly as you can, shouting out the next card that you have and trying to find a partner to complete your action with. So if you need a f- high five, you need to have somebody else that also has high five showing on their deck to be able to complete your high five. If you do, you discard your card, and you go on to the next one, and then you call out, you know, fist pound, fist pound. And you're trying to get through your deck as quickly as you can. First person to finish their deck wins. Again, it's wacky, fast paced. You're running around because there's the switch places cards. And giggling. And I love these kinds of wacky social games. This also probably will do pretty well in VR. Uh, But man, we had such a good time playing it. Really fun. Happy Salmon from uh, North Star Games. The name sounds adorable. Right? And you know what you'll even like better than that, Tara, is it Mm. comes in a salmon-shaped felt container. So you have this little, like, happy salmon that is on your shelf. Oh, that's adorable. Isn't that great? That's uh the Happy Salmon is one of the best Sanrio characters, actually. <laughs> is that so? They have you do you know the Salmon Sanrio character? No. So Sanrio started getting like really weird the past few years and introducing all these characters that like are just inanimate objects, but yeah. giving them like character and personality. <laughs> and uh one of them is a uh, Salmon. Oh god, I'm struggling to think of the name. Um there's they came out with the salmon that's just a guy with a salmon fillet as a head. <laughs> uh, okay. Karimi Karimi Chan, that's his name. Ah. Uh, and then Gudetama, which is the egg. You get, you guys don't know Gudetama? 
No, man, I'm I'm not cool enough no, to know about Sanrio No, is an egg that has been cracked open, and he's just like the laziest little egg ever. And like, I I I don't know what to do with you guys. I feel like this is all the stuff that that Carboni always knows about, and then I feel like Carboni would understand. I me. know, obviously, because it's bizarre and Japanese and weird, and he loves all those three things, you know. So oh. I I'm sure that yeah. I, I'm just out of the loop. I don't even remember how we got on this topic. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> Happy salmon. Yes, that's right. Happy salmon. Um, I will uh, – anyway, I had a great time playing that game. But I want to read a, an email that we got to dlcfeedback at gmail.com. This comes from Soren. Soren says, uh, hey, Jeff, it was nice to meet you at PAX South. We visited in line on the way in on Saturday morning. Thanks for the chat. I just wanted to share a tabletop recommendation that I discovered at PAX South. My nephew and I attended the Penny Arcade Make a Strip panel, and Jerry raved about Star Wars Destiny. We were lucky enough to get a demo from the Fantasy Flight crew in the tabletop area, and were hooked immediately. I don't play a lot of tabletop games, and Hearthstone is my only experience with trading card games. However, by the end of a single demo, I had a really good handle on the gameplay, which is quick and exciting. I was sold. I asked where I could buy it, but oh no, it was sold out with the PAX vendors, and in limited supply at most stores, too. So we loaded up, hit a tabletop store in San Antonio, and two in Austin. We were lucky enough to find a store with the starter packs in stock. I bought one of each, Dark Side and Light Side, and my nephew bought the Dark Side starter kit. I highly recommend it for anyone looking for an easy-to-learn but fairly complex card-slash-dice game. You can either go nuts buying card booster packs to build the perfect deck, but you can also still have a ton of fun just using the $15 starter packs. Plus, there's an expansion coming in a month or two, so that might be a good time for you to jump in. I'd love to hear your thoughts, and if you've played it, keep up the great work. P.S. You can also play the entire game in VR using Tabletop Simulator and getting the game through Steam Workshop. Thanks, Soren. Uh, it was cool meeting you. I have not played Star Wars Destiny, but man, there's a ton of those. I feel like those uh, trading card games are... Uh, Rabbit holes, you know, uh, Android Netrunner is one that I went, got into for a while. Magic the Gathering, of course. Any CCG where you sort of have to like pick that game and make that game yours. Uh, Marvel Dice Masters was another one that I got really hooked on and, and still love. So I have not played Star Wars Destiny, but it sounds awesome. And maybe, uh, more listeners will get value from you bringing it up. It's called Star Wars Destiny. All right, guys. Let's wrap up the show now. Uh, we do have our parting gift coming at you. But first, I want to thank uh, our last sponsor. That's Fireside. If you're interested in podcasting yourself or you're already a podcaster, let me tell you about P Fireside because Fireside is a podcast hosting and analytics platform that was created by podcasters for podcasters. In fact, it was made by Dan Benjamin, the guy who founded this very network, the 5 by 5 network. And he took advantage of everything he learned uh, since he started podcasting in 2009 and turn it into a platform for podcasters, uh, despite your level of expertise. So it's good for experts and beginners alike. And Fireside has it all. Unlimited uploads, unlimited downloads, massive amounts of real-time data and analytics about your unique downloads, a super fast CDN for the best download speeds, multiple podcast support, free one-click podcast importing from platforms like Libsyn, FeedPress, Simplecast, and SoundCloud, custom domain mapping, a beautiful responsive website with your own artwork, host, and guest pages, and tons of advanced features like sponsorship integration, chapter markers, a bookmarklet for links, auto-posting of future episodes, and uh, so much more. 
You can try Fireside for free for seven days, during which time you can import your existing podcast for free while taking advantage of every feature that Fireside has to offer. And the unlimited plan starts at just 19 bucks a month. There's no commitment or long-term agreement for you to worry about. So give it a shot. Check out fireside.fm slash DLC today. Take the tour and then use the code DLC for 20% off the standard plan for three months. Fireside, by podcasters, for podcasters. All right, uh, so let's wrap up the show now. Uh, like I said, we do have our parting gift coming up, but Tara Long, what a delight, as I said at the beginning, oh. to hang out with you. Um, thanks for being here. Of course. Thanks for having me. Where can people keep up with you and your stuff on the internet? Um, I am on Twitter at Tara Long Guest. Tara Long was taken. Um, and uh, where else? YouTube.com slash Polygon. I'm not on camera anymore, but I... I do have a small hand in making a lot of the stuff that's on there. What are they doing not using you on camera? You're an awesome host. Oh, it was my choice. Believe me. All right. Fair enough. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, That's cool. Well, um, I'm glad you're over doing stuff at Polygon. That's really neat. Thank you. It's been fun. Christian, how about you? What do you got going on this week? Twitter's the easiest way to get in touch with me. It's at Spicer. My comedy album, We're All Gonna Die, is available right now. iTunes, Amazon, MP3, and the Google Music Store are places to pick it up. Um, what am I doing this week? Am I anywhere this week? I don't even know. This weekend was a blur. Uh, oh, I have another podcast, a couple of others. One is on parenting. It's called Department of Parenting. You can find all of that stuff at departmentofparenting.com. And then the other one is uh, over, it's at least 20 more minutes. Uh, this week's episode is going to be examining the re-rise in action, uh, that, that so-called 90s action movie framed around John Wick and John Wick 2 as kind of the jumping off point for that discussion. And you can find that at patreon.com slash Christian Spicer. Mr. Kanata, uh, what about you? Well, I have uh, a few other shows for you to check out, including a show all about movies and television shows called The Slash Filmcast. Uh, this week, we are talking about John Wick 2. Uh, so you can listen to that over at uh, SlashFilmcast.com. I also have a uh, science comedy show with the aforementioned Anthony Carboni. Uh, you can find that at WeHaveConcerns.com. And always uh, follow me on Twitter. I'm at Jeff Kanata, which is spelled with two N's and one T. Love getting your feedback on the show. And uh, you can always email us at dlcfeedback at gmail.com. All right, guys, let's get to our parting gift. Tara, do you have a suggestion to help people get through their week? I have three suggestions. Whoa! Whoa! Uh, two are TV shows that... Uh, have been out for a while and I've somehow just discovered them and they're great. One is Bates Motel, which is really, really good. Uh, I think the first four seasons are on Netflix and the new one is premiering sometime, I think like in a week. Uh, another one is The Expanse, which is a sci-fi show. Mm. That is on Amazon Prime. That seems right up your alley, Jeff. Have you seen that one? I watched the first episode uh, on the on a plane somewhere, um, uh, and I haven't followed up. But yeah, man, um, it's super cool. And people say it only gets better from there. Uh, yeah, so I'm like you. I've only seen the first episode. I literally watched it two nights ago. Uh, but I, I can tell where it's going, and I think it's it's promising. Um, and I have also heard that it only gets better from there. Uh, last suggestion is a indie horror movie that is on Netflix called Honeymoon. Hmm. 
There's two movies on there called Honeymoon. One is called Honeymoon and one is called The Honeymoon. This is just Honeymoon. Okay. Uh, and it's real good. And I, I don't want to explain it at all because uh, I don't want to spoil anything, but you should check it out. No, the- It's a 2015 movie. Okay. Honeymoon on Netflix. Very cool. Christian, how about you got a parting gift? Yeah, I mean, it, like I said, it's going to be kind of the jumping off point for this week's at least 20 more minutes. But um, John Wick 2, if you haven't seen John Wick 1, I believe you can buy it on iTunes for five bucks right now. And John Wick 2, um, with John Wick 2 being out now, I, uh, I am perfectly comfortable saying John Wick is a better action franchise than The Matrix now that it is a franchise. Uh, man, it's great. It's great to see in theaters the fight choreography and and what keanu reeves and the and the stunt team and uh the the fight uh, choreographer are able to pull off it's that it's dude's stunning. almost 50 right it's stunning like what the heck how's he's he- incredible it's, he's easy to make fun of like take pot shots on but the guy has had an incredible career and he keeps delivering and uh it's just beautiful it's just beautiful he's i love keanu Here's a listener-submitted uh, parting gift, and you can always submit those to dlcfeedback at gmail.com. Uh, I love this one. This is very different. He says, uh, this is Matt from Kiruna, Sweden. Matt says, uh, Jeff keeps mentioning his slightly guilty obsession. There's nothing slightly about it. Slightly guilty obsession with ice cream on this and his other shows. So I just had to write in with this tip. What would you say if you could eat ice cream every day that is all natural, all vegan, sugar-free, delicious, and inexpensive, and you can make it in just two to three minutes. I'd say that sounds bland and not ice cream, but I'm willing to give him the benefit of the doubt. Here we go. He says, my wife and I came across this recipe recently, and now we have ice cream for dessert almost every night without feeling guilty. Here's how you do it. Step one, get a food processor or blender. Step two, toss in two to three cups of your favorite frozen fruit or berries. Step three, Add two to three tablespoons of cashew nut butter. It says regular cashews will also work, but require more mixing. Cashew nut butter, two to three tablespoons. Step four, mix till you get a smooth ice cream consistency and texture. Be patient. It might seem like nothing is happening for a while, but it will get there. You can add a tablespoon of water to help it along if you want. And that's it. Perfectly healthy, delicious ice cream. That seems impossible to me. It says, experiment with different fruits to find your favorite, and you'll never want to go back to dairy-based ice cream. I'm skeptical, but I'm intrigued. I'm I- literally texting my husband right now and asking him to go to the store and get <laughs> cashew nut butter. He says, you'll my- want to go back. Uh, he says, way. my favorite is two to three frozen bananas with a couple teaspoons of cinnamon. Heaven. You can spice it up by adding chocolate chips. Well, there you go. And two tablespoons of rum for some great adult ice cream. He says, think about what you put out into the world. Make it cashew-based. <laughs> Thank you so much for that, uh, Matt. I am intrigued. You can – this works, by the way, and it is delicious. Um, You've done this? Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's it's great. I mean, it's not a real ice cream, but it's great. It's delicious. Uh, I still regularly go back to real ice cream. You can also, if you just uh, – very ripe bananas, like pass when you would eat them, let them go brown, put them in the freezer, and you can skip the cashew nut butter. It makes it a little creamier to use it. But if you just take frozen bananas, uh, very ripe frozen bananas, and put them in a food processor and just it, – it honestly will make an ice cream consistency that while tastes like banana doesn't taste <laughs> banana-y. It's, it, it, seriously, it's crazy. Like if you don't like bananas, you'll still be like, oh, this is a banana. But it doesn't for, – <laughs> 
for just being frozen bananas, it doesn't taste like a banana. Does that make sense? <laughs> it, every- it doesn't have the artificial banana flavor. It's it's mellower than just a regular banana. Oh, I don't know yeah. why. I, I, okay, I could see that because frozen stuff typically has a mellower taste. Yeah. <laughs> Every sentence you just said, Christian, the second half of the sentence was not what I expected. It's always like, if you don't like bananas, it's going to taste like banana. <laughs> <laughs> All you got to do is do a frozen banana, and then when you take it out, it'll taste like a banana. Like, what? No, what? That's – with okay. also another way to do it, and with a little bit of peanut butter or uh, cocoa powder in it. My, this is a good trick for a four-year-old daughter who wants ice cream, and you're just giving her banana. Uh, all right. Uh, my uh, my parting gift is a uh, also a Netflix show. Uh, this is a documentary series that is phenomenal. It's called Abstract. And it is all about design. Each episode focuses on a different designer in a different medium or field. First one is about this illustrator who does New Yorker covers. Uh, the second one is about the guy at Nike who like designed all the Jordans. Uh, it has. Oh, you mean Michael Jordan? Yeah, Michael Jordan didn't design his shoes. <laughs> uh, it, it is. Um, it is. There's a you know, architect. There's a fashion designer. There's an interior designer. It's. It's the the show itself also is sort of you know form matching uh um subject matter right so it's it's also well designed and beautifully shot but it's also an interesting look into these really brilliant people so i highly recommend it. it's called abstract on netflix all right that's it for this episode of DLC. Thanks again to Tara Long and Christian Spicer for hanging out with me. Thanks to all the folks in the chat room for contributing in real time to the show. Uh, we really appreciate having you guys here. And thanks to our musical contributors, Patrick L., Sean Madigan, and Zero Star for those fun bumpers. And thanks to you for listening to the show. Thanks for downloading it. Please tell your friends. And if you have a second, maybe go to your platform of choice and give us a five-star review. Those do help as well. We appreciate it. We'll be back next week with another episode of DLC. Until then, think about what you put out into the world. Make it a better place.